Welcome to Wavelengths, a podcast with Amphenol Broadband Solutions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Wavelengths, an Amphenol Broadband Solutions podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. As we continue to explore top trends, technologies, and uh, really just unpack matters of consequence within the larger telecom industry. So thanks again for joining us. I appreciate y'all tuning into another episode of Wavelengths. And as we get into today's talking points, I want to make sure that you are all caught up on our previous episodes of the show. We have done a uh, real crop of engaging conversations over the last several episodes of um, ABS's show. That includes breaking down uh, rural broadband trends, unpacking uh, shifts in the um, uh, larger move toward Industry 4.0 and how that is uh, not only solidifying emerging technologies into the telecom space, uh, but also bringing fresh innovation to those already bleeding edge technologies. Very engaging stuff. So I encourage you all to go check those out on our website amphenolbroadband.com. Again, amphenolbroadband.com. Or you can subscribe to the podcast and listen to episodes there on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search up Wavelengths and you'll find a catalog of previous episodes as well as notifications when we drop new episodes. You'll also want to go to our website to find more information about our solutions and services and other great pieces of content, including obviously episodes of the show, but also blogs, white papers, other resources, videos, you name it. All right, team, let's jump into today's episode of the podcast. So today's episode is actually going to be turning the camera lens and the microphone uh, inwards to Amphenol Broadband Solutions as a company. Uh, Again, several of our last episodes have discussed high-level trends shaping the telecom world, but with today's episode, we wanted to give our audience some relatable insights uh, as, as we reflect on some internal challenges and solutions that ABS has taken on in recent years. Uh, One of those big ones being improving the customer experience. So most of our business professionals that are listening to the podcast today know pretty well the importance of a quality customer experience, right? And the front line of customer support is critical in making customers feel heard, responded to, uh, served, and taken care of, right? This is true across all industries, and especially in telecom. Uh, But often when the tools we have to support that customer service process are manual or they're outdated or clunky or cumbersome, whatever it might be, customer support ends up needing more support than it can offer, right? In those cases, customer support is not maximizing its role in the outward facing element of your operations, ABS has been dealing with a similar type of customer support dilemma, and the consequences can be pretty stark. Uh, But today's episode is about looking at the solutions, right, that ABS has taken on to revitalize its customer support tools and to embrace change in their operations when cracks in the armor start to show. And what we hope is that with this conversation, our audience can learn a little something, right, uh, for taking that magnifying glass to your own operations, analyzing where can our customer support experience and operations and technologies and processes improve, right? To what effect, how do we implement solutions and how do we measure that those solutions are actually improving that experience 
for our pool of customers. So without further ado, let's introduce our guest for the day who's going to break down this trajectory and journey internally here for ABS. We're joined by Bill O'Donnell. He is Senior Director of Product Management and Customer Service Support at ABS. Bill, welcome to Wavelengths. How you doing, man? Hi, Daniel. I'm so happy to be here. Um, it's been kind of an exciting year, so a lot to talk about today. So I uh, appreciate the uh, the time on the show today. Absolutely. And we really appreciate you taking some time to mix things up for our audience here, um, You know, get some content that looks a little more inward. The holiday season is always a reflective time of year, so uh, you know it, it lines up perfectly for us to be doing some content like this where we uh, take a peek at some of the strategies that you and your team have implemented to improve your operations, identify issues, and turn those into solutions and an improved experience for your customers. Um, you know, look, the holiday season, regardless of what industry you're in, is always rife with challenges, and if the customer support lens isn't finely tuned to uh, massage those challenges, things can get out of hand. So again, thank you for joining us. And I think this is going to be some timely stuff for our audience. Um, what I want to do to start off is really set the stage, right? Why are we even having this conversation? Um, I know that just as some brief background context, um, you know, ABS, uh, or at least you had expressed um, off camera that some of the you know, back office operations of uh, ye olden times for ABS um, had persisted for quite a while and were starting to, you know, really show their outdatedness. And so I'm wondering if you could describe what the old ABS back office operations looked like and how that intersected with customer service, right? And if you could paint that full picture of managing the day-to-day -day, uh, so our audience really understands what was at stake here, right? What did it look like to just manage that back end day-to-day -day and uh, manage customer operations day-to-day, -day. fill us in, and then we'll better identify some of the challenges and, um, you know, paint the timeline. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Enfinol has been around forever and, you know, the systems that they had in place, their, their ERP system, you know, it, it works really well for us. I mean, it helps with manufacturing. We're able to, to process orders, invoices, everything out of the system. Um, Pre-pandemic, you know, we had a small team of customer service representatives that, you know, sat in the office, they printed out orders and they manually entered them into the systems and, you know, everything would flow through the system, you know, manually. And uh, it just seemed that, uh, you know, once the pandemic hit, people were working from home, um, there was a real disconnect of, you know, being able to, to have that office environment to be able to manually process all of this. Um, so once... Once the RDOF money, the, the rule build-out started, um, you had a lot of the, the larger operators that were sending through thousands and thousands of orders. We were used to processing, you know, maybe 100 orders a day by manual, you know, processing. You know, they were, they were printing them out. They were still getting them on fax machines and uh, manually typing them into the system. And uh, so, you know, coming on board to this department, you know, I realized really quick that there wasn't enough man hours to, to, to type in all of this information every single day and stay ahead of the, uh, the game. So, you know, we really had to take a, an inward look and figure out how are we going to get through this mountain of paperwork uh, in a short amount of time. And, and that's pretty much, you know, where it all started was, you know, walking into a room and seeing just stacks of papers in the corners of offices 
you know, just waiting to be filed. So uh, we realized really quick we were never going to be able to keep up with this demand unless we had to make some changes. And that's fair, right? Um, you know, the the conditions of operations often, uh, you know, change at a faster and faster pace year over year. And while small tweaks, you know, Band-Aid solutions to existing systems can work well enough every now and then eventually those things start to compound right and eventually you get to the point where it's like well we can't just keep tweaking this back-end solution and these processes and uh you know our interaction with software uh solutions to make the most of this for our operations and customer experience eventually something's gonna have to give and it's gonna have to be a, a total overhaul right and so i'm curious what were the sort of leading indicators that it was time to make that overhaul, right? Why were these processes creating challenges for the team? And how was this rippling out into the customer experience, right? If you could pinpoint the specific areas that were really causing some grief and uh, alerted you that, hey, you know, time to raise a red flag. So yeah, I mean, some of the major challenges that were brought to light was really just being able to have data visibility, you know, when you have people sitting there entering in orders manually all day long, like we're in the 1950s, um, you know, customers are moving at the speed of light. They want to know when their order got accepted. They want to know when it's going to ship. And so because everything was so manual, um, it, it might take weeks before a customer even realizes that their order is, you know, in the system and it's been added in there. So, you know, just having the visibility of the data you know, at the speed of light, like our customers are moving, uh, was one of the key indicators that something's got to change here. We have to figure out a way to process this better. Now, if you could pinpoint, you know, I don't know, it's not always this straightforward or sort of a storybook moment of, of, you know, major consequence, but I wonder, was there a moment where this challenge evolved from, you know, a challenging operational nuisance to an actual critical error that had to be fixed that raised sort of a final red flag, right? A point of critical mass that said, look, it's really time to stop with the Band-Aid solutions and tweaks and address our backend systems holistically. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, from a financial standpoint, you know, our accounting departments, our controllers, you know, our, our corporate offices, they're only seeing what's in the system. So, you know, the difference of you know, having $100 million of orders that are waiting to be processed versus $20 million that they see in the system. You know, it's a ripple effect amongst all of our, our sister companies and all of our vendors that we work with. So I think the, the biggest, uh, you know, sticking point for everybody was how much money is actually coming in, you know, and we, we really didn't know until we processed all the data. And so, you know, that alone was, you know, especially to like shareholders, everybody else is, you had a hundred million dollars in bookings, but we only see $10 million of orders in the system. What's going on there? And uh, everyone realized real quick, you know, there's a bottleneck and that bottleneck is sitting there processing paperwork. Now, is this a common issue that you see, um, you know, like when you talk to colleagues or even clients of yours, right? Um, this sort of inflection point where, uh, order intake reaches uh, a critical mass that requires a holistic shift of back-end operations, right? Or are, are there some unique angles here that you think uh, amplified things 
for ABS or for the telecom industry at large? I guess, you know, how, how do you see your challenges that you had to deal with uh, as of late reflected through your clients, through colleagues, through whispers on the street, right? Uh, and just sort of the general challenges that people have in um, modernizing their backend operational systems in general. Yeah, I mean, I think over the last like 10 years, I mean, every person that I've ever talked to, any vendors that we talked to, uh, you know, all of our systems worked, you know, they were in place and, you know, your your order volumes were steady. Um, but we've just seen such a massive explosion of growth and need and, and, you know, just orders and data that is coming through from our clients, from our vendors. And I think everybody was kind of blindsided over the last couple of years. They, uh, they realized really quick that, you know, just keeping up with, you know, the data itself. I mean, really at the end of the day, you know, these are sales orders that are coming through, but it's data. And processing that data and being able to stay in, in front of it and get, you know, everybody the information they need. So, you know, I mean, I've talked to a lot of different vendors that are having to go through the same struggles that we are. You know, we are all having to adapt and modify and and really start from the ground up and figure out where's the, the chain broken. You know, it's everything with supply chains has been delayed. You know, pricing for fuel is up you know, transportation, you know, workers are at a shortage. I mean, all of these little things, all butterfly effects throughout the whole process, but it all starts with that initial order entry. You know, nothing happens until it gets entered in the system. And uh, I think we're all in the same boat right now. It's been a challenging couple of years. There's a lot of money, you know, being funneled through to from the, the government into all of these build outs of our infrastructures. And I just see this, you know, continuing to to grow and uh, the biggest challenge is getting ahead of the train. You know, we're always following behind it and uh, we really want to be at the forefront to uh, to move as fast as our customers are moving. And, you know, one of the things that I hear as I talk to um, professionals about this similar type of topic, uh, even just more generally a digital transformation of manual processes or uh, legacy systems or modernizing already existing software um, and digital systems for this new era of efficiency, data analysis, connectivity. Really, the things that stand out as needs are, you know, in this transformation, we have to find ways to make uh, these operations and these softwares promote better communication, better clarity, and then obviously just efficiency in operations, right? So what did you identify in beginning the solutions process, right? Seeing these issues and thinking, okay, what needs to be fixed and how? What did you identify as the key areas that needed to be addressed and consolidated in the back office to create that more open communication across departments um, between you and vendors and you and clients, uh, but also to create more clarity in data and operations and general uh, efficiency improvements in operations as well. Again, what were those key areas that you felt needed to be addressed and consolidated? I, I mean, when you first, uh, you know, when I first started to analyze some of the problems that we were were having, you know, it all came back to the to the very, you know, most simplest form of, of issues. And that is, you know, they were a paper type department. 
everything got printed, everything was, you know, filed, everything was just kind of compartmentalized. So you weren't able to see that data across the entire spectrum for the platform. So, you know, one of the, the first basic things we had to do is, is try to get to a paperless, uh, you know, zero waste type initiative. You know, it, it, it blew my mind that, uh, you know, we were still, you know, printing off thousands of pages of, of orders and those orders would constantly change. You know, every time a customer, you know, sends us an order, because of these rural buildouts, they've got contractors all over the country working. And those contractors are moving from city to city, location to a location. And so they're having to like make changes. And so, you know, if you've got a stack of paperwork sitting there and it's got an old address on it, by the time we were getting around to even enter it into the system, that address might have changed. The quantities might have changed. So the very first step was to get off of off of paper. You know, and it's it's a real challenge for people. You know, if you've been doing something the same way for 20 years, you know, it, it's hard to say, hey, stop using a piece of paper. You're just going to use your screens now. And uh, so that was one of the main challenges right there. Second challenge was just visibility. You know, every day you've got a customer calling in saying, hey, just check in on the status of an order. Well, you know, it's sitting in a, a stack three feet high of other orders that we're waiting to, to enter. You know, it's like, it, it's such a easy problem to fix. But when you're working with legacy systems like this, I mean, an ERP system for a company is one of the most entangled pieces of software that any company can use. You know, it drives everything. It drives manufacturing, it drives orders, invoicing. So it's not just a simple task of like, hey, let's just change this and do it. Everything has to be done in steps. Everything has to be kind of set through the processes to make sure that it's actually going to work. Um, but our biggest challenge, you know, really just getting off of paper. You know, it's it's almost like a drug. You know, it's real easy to print it out, real easy to just have my, my to-do list sitting right there. But, uh, you know, once we started moving to a, a paperless type transaction, things started to move a lot smoother. And do you find that uh, in this transition process, um, any of those more sort of archaic manual record keeping formats remain, right? Is there any use for like just straight up physical records of any of these backend processes at all? Or do you find that it's just a complete improvement on all fronts to fully adopt a modernized paperless trail of receipts? Yeah. I mean, look, with any company, they've got to keep some sort of record base of, of what they've got. But, you know, printing items out, sticking them in a file cabinet, you know, it all equates to dollars and cents and it's all labor. You know, every process that you do has a dollar amount attached to it. So, you know, when you look at, you know, the average salary, let's just say, you know, 35000 a year or whatever it is, how much of that person's time is being devoted just to file management? And so when you start adding that up amongst, you know, a, a huge company like Emphenol, you know, it's in the millions and millions of dollars every year that are just wasted on, you know, someone physically taking a piece of paper and putting it in a file cabinet, it'll probably never be seen again. And then eventually storing those files. You know, I mean, you look in, you know, these file cabinets, we have rooms just dedicated to file storage. And, you know, when I look at 
how much we're budgeting, you know, there, there's budgets in there for more file cabinets, you know, and it's like, we can completely go to a paperless server, drop it in as a virtual thing, and it's on the record forever, you know. So uh, I don't know. I think with every company out there, you know, I feel that we were a little slow to the game to get to the paperless solution. But, you know, a lot of times it just takes someone being dedicated to a project like that to say, we're going to get this done. And, you know, it's not going to slip through the cracks this time. But, you know, there's always got to be a benefit, you know, it's it's like recycling, you know, everybody wants to recycle and be, you know, uh, you know, net neutral on on their carbon emissions and all that stuff. But if there's not a cost savings or a benefit, it's hard to justify changing the process so that, uh, you know, you can, you know, do your part for the environment, but also save money. So that's where, you know, when we started looking at this is it's like. Well, how can we get off of the paper? How can we eliminate some of these processes? How can we take the, you know, the employees that we have now that are working on this and, you know, transition them to being more customer focused? You know, right now I feel that, you know, what has occurred in the past is everybody was drinking from the fire hose and we weren't able to really nurture that relationship with our clients as well as we could because we were buried in processing and, you know, processing kills everybody. You know, it's, it kills profits. You want to get that order in the system. You want to get it processed through, you know, um, you know, Excel is a, an amazing tool. Everybody loves Excel, but you know, some of the challenges that you have there is you're once again, working outside of the system. So we've been trying to work on integrating reports um, trying to make it so that it's, it's user friendly for everybody. You know, are we there yet? No, it's going to take us a little while to get there, but we are moving in the right steps. And Emphenol's leadership is very committed to, you know, trying to improve this so that, you know, A, we're efficient, but B, we're getting those customers the info they need when they need it. Um, you know, nothing's worse than telling a customer, I'm sorry, I can't see your order in the system just yet. It might be sitting here on this stack of paperwork that uh, we're going to process here shortly. You know, it should never be like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's an incredibly fair, um, you know, sort of last straw, right? If your operations are creating uh, hiccups, well, I guess bigger than hiccups, right? Creating major roadblocks and fulfilling your customers' orders if they require budgetary needs that are wholly inefficient, uh, if they make for you know um, records falling through the cracks and a a literal filing system that is just almost impossible to maneuver in a timely fashion. Yeah, all of those things start to compound and then, you know, it's not really any one issue. It's just sort of the domino effect of all of this can't be band-aided. It needs to just be holistically addressed. So let's talk about that solution side of things now and the process and how it's been going for y'all and how it went, right? What you're already working on. We'll start here. Um where have there been some hiccups, right? Some challenges in the adoption process of a new backend software of fully digitalizing these operations, uh, right? Any bumps maybe along the learning curve as um, internal uh, employees adopt these resources? Um, 
you know, any challenges in implementation of the new systems and processes, right? Where have you faced some challenges and then how have you worked to overcome them as well? Yeah, I mean, there's been a whole pile of challenges. You know, you're working with a system that, you know, a legacy system and, you know, the entire company for this division is built on this, this program, our ERP system. And so, you know, trying to band-aid it, like you said, and make updates to it, you know, it proves to be a, a huge challenge. Um, so we ended up, you know, taking on the, the role of figuring out like what needs to be reprogrammed on this and how do we get it done correctly? So, I mean, we do everything in a test environment when we're developing new programs for this, uh, the CRP system. And one of the things that we found is that once you start programming, it, it's like a whole wall of dip switches. You start changing things, all of a sudden something else gets broken. So we've spent, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours just going through and testing every little process within our system after we make a change. So, you know, it's, you don't know it's broken until it's broken. So, you know, as we're going through, we're updating it. And then all of a sudden some weird error happens or a crash or, you know, a million things can go wrong. And, uh, that's where the implementation of this, it, it's, it's been a year in the process. I mean, it's, you know, something simple, you know, someone can easily say, hey, let's do that. But then when it comes down to actually like implementing it, testing it, operating it, working it, you start finding that, oh, geez, this is broke now, that's broke now. Um, but we are finally getting to a point where um, we have it stable enough that it's been just like magic. So overnight, um, you know, one of our first challenges was just getting orders uploaded into the system. You know, it used to be you printed out the order. You then had to cross-reference that, you know, that part number against uh, an Excel spreadsheet that said, here's the customer's price. And then, you know, enter it in there, enter in lead times, enter in dates that'll possibly ship. And so just reviewing that process, you know, each order was taking 20, 30 minutes. And you're talking thousands and thousands of orders. So, you know, what's the first solution you can do to fix that when you're, you're trying to just do it? You throw labor at it. So we threw a bunch of labor at it. Well, did it really fix anything? Not a chance. All it did was it allowed us to process a little bit more. But every day we were just behind the eight ball, getting more and more orders in. Great problem to have. You have so many orders, you can't even process them all. But what you find, though, is that when that happens, the entire supply chain basically collapses. As we were taking the time to enter all these orders in, nobody has any visibility on what raw materials do we order? What, uh, what do we bring in? How much should we be shipping in? So if it's taking you a month to process something, now it's going to take the next person that gets that, you know, how much raw material should I buy? takes them another month to figure out what they need to do. Well, now you're two months down the road and you haven't even done anything. So uh, one of our first steps that we did was the automatic upload system. And it can take an Excel spreadsheet from you know, the customer system and it allows them to just upload it into our ERP system, which uh, will then automatically input the orders in. It does a cross check. It, you know, tells them what dates it's going to ship. It then turns around and says, hey, customer, 
your order has been acknowledged and received. Thank you for your order. And then it sends off an order uh, purchase order to our sister divisions that may have a product that, that we're selling to an end user. And it'll automatically generate that PO. So what used to take 20, 30 minutes is now taking about you know one to two seconds to process. So huge, huge improvement. You know, it's it's not just me. It's it's a whole team of people behind it. You know, these the whole group is basically involved with beta testing this thing, making sure it's successful. So we're we're really happy with the results so far with this first little step that we made. And since you've made those first steps, what has been the net effect on your internal operations and your customer experience from taking on this back office transformation, right? Can you already begin to quantify or qualify any of those positive ripple effects that the customer or your vendors are already feeling? Um, what kind of feedback are you getting and how is that informing you know, how you tweak the strategy to continue this rollout? Yeah, great question. Um, so when you're working with people, you know, I have a, a whole team of customer service representatives. And when you go into that office and you see the miserable look on people's faces, they just they're not happy at their job. They're they're hating life because they're doing the same repetitive step over and over and over again. It has a ripple effect through everybody. Um, the customers feel it. You know, the sales reps feel it. The The managers feel it. You know, there's just it's not a good place to be. And by making just even this, this small little first step on being able to auto upload, um, our support staff had a moment to breathe every day. You know, they weren't always just sitting, looking at this mountain of stuff to process. So, you know, just going back there to the office and seeing that everybody is enjoying, you know, their jobs again, you know, makes that whole process so much better. You know, the when the sales reps are happy and the customer service reps are happy, they're able to to really give that engagement to the customer and say, how can I help you? Whereas, you know, back in the day, it's it's like, look, I'm so busy. What do you need? And that that's kind of the the mentality that that was kind of happening uh, in our departments is, you know, we're all buried. There's nothing we can do, you know, so let's just deal with it. But, you know, taking this proactive step has changed everything. I mean, it's it's really made our, our teams feel like, hey, you know what? We are making some improvements. We're going to stumble along the way, but I can actually answer my customers now. I can have a conversation with them. I can talk to them. I'm not so buried that I can't do my job anymore. So it's rippled all the way down from vendors all the way down to, you know, uh, internal departments. And are you maintaining uh, some kind of feedback process internally to sort of a beta test, right? Or get sort of um, a finger to the wind for as you push these changes, what's the immediate effect? How are people taking it? Where are they struggling? And, you know, oh, hey, this idea you implemented, it kind of works. But, you know, hey, Bill, I think you may have missed this perspective. Oh, OK, let me go back and change that. Right. Do you have any kind of process that looks like that? Or how are you approaching that feedback process so that you make positive changes for your internal operations in real time? Yeah. No, great question. You know, I mean, really, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, when we yep. start seeing you know, that we, you know, have gone from $10 million of processing to, you know, $80 million of processing in one month, you know, that right there tells you something's working. You know, when you can 
see in one day that they've processed more data and more orders than they have all month, um, you start seeing that that uh, that smile on everybody's face. Um, we do have a weekly call that we have to, you know, go through. And, you know, I, I manage a, a lot differently than some other people. I mean, I, I really, the people that are in the field working with this data every day, I want to know what, what's the easiest way. If something could be done better, how would you do it? And then I can take that and I can assign a dollar amount to that. And how much will it take? And so then I have to start analyzing, okay, well, if you're saying it's going to take a week to do and it's going to cost this much, how would I implement that so that over the course of a year, you know, I've more than paid for for that improvement and I've changed the quality of of life for your job. And uh, I think with anything, everybody gets scared that if you automate too much, you know, it's going to cost jobs or it's going to mean that someone doesn't need me. Um, so I try to keep that mentality out of everyone's mind that, look, nobody's, you know, getting replaced by an automated system. What we then do is we transition and we make ourselves, you know, uh, proactive instead of reactive. And I think with that security, everybody's really been bringing a lot of ideas to the table. Um, you know, you can definitely tell when someone is kind of keeping something close to the vest because they're afraid of being you know, obsoleted. And uh, with the teams, we have a very open atmosphere of, if you think it's a good idea, bring it to the table, let's discuss it. You know, someone can easily say no to something and, uh, but without really going, well, how would that impact us in the future? You know, when I'm sitting here trying to figure out what's the next big step that we're going to do, it, it's really not for what's going to help me today, but it's who's going to help my replacement in 10 years from now when, you know, they're doing this job and they're like, wow, you know, thank God they made that investment into the systems back then. Um, I wish somebody would have made it earlier, actually, you know, but um, but now, yeah, we get the rewards of seeing all the benefits now. So it's great. And that's encouraging to hear. Right. And I hope our audience, um, you know, takes some notes from that, too. Open dialogue is key, especially when. Uh, you know, the changes being implemented are ones that affect basic day-to-day -day operations that ripple across all departments, um, right? How you intake orders, how you create oversight on orders, how you invoice your payments, um, changes to any of those processes or softwares naturally is going to you know, change things for different departments in different ways. And so encouraging, right? Not just sort of tolerating, but encouraging that open discussion and feedback and dialogue across departments to make sure that um, the changes that you and your team are leading are done with all of their needs in mind, uh, you know, is critical. And it's encouraging to hear that that is how ABS is approaching it. And, you know, I would I would expect that most of our listeners would agree that when they approach their major back office shifts in that way, they lead to better results. So I'm curious now, reflecting back on the progression of this evolution, what have you learned from this process, right? And how would you condense that down into some advice for our audience? What should they be taking away from, right? What are some red flags or some, um, some advice you would pass along for them to avoid some of the challenges that maybe you encountered or to try to implement some of the successes that you've seen work tremendously. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, anytime you're you're looking at something that is completely broken, you really have to take a look at, you know, the pieces that are a part of that issue. And you need to start dissecting it because I think what happens a lot of times is that you don't see the forest or the trees. And what ends up occurring is that it just seems like it's such a huge task that you're not going to be able to fix everything. And so nothing gets done. So I think the biggest challenge or the biggest thing I would say to anybody listening that is facing something similar to this is take one little piece, figure out how much time is being invested into that and then fix that one piece and then move to the next one and the next one and the next one. And before you know it, you've made so many improvements that have changed it that, uh, you know, you'll be happy with the results. But when you just look at it from, you know, that first step, it just seems so massive that you're never going to be able to get through it all. So, you know what, I'll just, I'll just slide that one under as a project that I'll take a look at another day. You have to force yourself to look at one little piece of it, fix that, then move on to the next. And if it doesn't work, oh, well, you know what? You tried, move on to the next one. Start knocking off the things you can do now. Yeah, you know, coming from chief procrastinator right here, <laughs> um, don't follow in my footsteps. Do as I say, not as I do, right? I think that's that's key. Um because these changes are so impactful to people's day to day. Um, and because, you know, putting things off when making these kinds of digital transformations, um, you know, because what that ends up doing is mm, making it a longer glide path, right? It creates these lead times of change, um, of addressing uh, issues on, you know, the learning curve of adoption of new systems, further delaying that out because you say, Oh, I'll get to it next week. will only compound the, uh, issues in that transition and the natural hiccups that will occur as new things are rolled out and they're tweaked to meet actual demand and needs of the organization. So I, I think that's great. Uh, that's great advice. And I'm curious then what is still on ABS's horizon, right? In terms of improving the back office, what are some next steps you have in mind and how would you translate that into some advice as well? Yeah. So, I mean, now that we've got, you know, that, that little first piece of the pie done where we're able to, you know, manipulate data outside of our system, upload it in there, get it all going. Our next transition is to the EDI electronic data interchange between companies. You know, it's nothing new. It's been out there forever. Um, but it's not something that uh, ABS had fully adopted. Um, so we are now working with, you know, our larger clients to be able to link directly to their systems so that, you know, an email doesn't even have to be generated with an order. They'll just basically every morning say, here's, you know, a thousand orders and our systems will be linked directly to them. You know, it's uh, I've learned a lot along the ways. I mean, it is. Uh, not just as simple as, hey, let's set this up. You know, you've got to get two separate systems communicating uh, to each other uh, electronically. And a lot of times they, you know, one speaking one language and one speaking another. So it's not a fast process, but it's definitely something that, you know, we all should be on. So our, our future steps are uh, hopefully by the end of this year, 
we will be fully integrated with our, our top customer um, that their systems will talk seamlessly with our systems. From there, now a customer service rep won't even have to touch anything other than accept and you know enter it in and it'll it'll populate everything. Our next step then is to work with our sister companies and our vendors so that from our system to their systems, now everything will be seamless. So I would say hopefully in 2023, we are going to be completely paperless. We're going to basically be able to process an order from start to shipping uh, all inside of our system without even having to manually do anything. Um, I would say, you know, this has been a, a real eye opener. You know, when you start digging into some of the behind the scenes of various companies of how they process, we're all still humans. You know, we're all still processing data manually. We're doing all this stuff. So, you know, my suggestion to people out there listening would be take a look at your current steps and, you know, really start talking to your, um, you know, to your counterparts and say, you know, what takes the most time in your day? And then go from there and figure out there's got to be a way to process this. I mean, I tell everyone, you know, if you're doing something repetitively over and over and over, just like in Excel, there's got to be a formula for it. You know, there's there's no way that we should be living our lives having to manually type something over and over and over again. So look at your processes, look at how much time you're consuming doing the same thing over and over. And there's plenty of companies out there that can help you with this information to say, you know, here's what we're doing every day. How can we improve this? Yeah, there's a front end cost to it. There's always going to be a front end cost, but the back end is where you're you're able to to amortize that and say, hey, look, we're going to save you know four million dollars a year if we do this. And anybody that says no, we don't want to save four million dollars, then they're they're probably not in the right position. Yeah, I, I think you wrap things up nicely there. If folks aren't ready to make the proper investment, um, then you know don't don't half measure it, right? These kinds of changes are important to sit down and implement in a focused and holistic way um, because by the time that it's time to do that, um, you know, Band-Aid solutions, piecemealing is probably already, you know, um, pushed to the limit, right? You've already sort of expended that pool of solutions. So when it comes time to really revitalize uh, back-end systems, digitally transform them, invest in uh, completely new software or um, rethink operations from the bottom up. Probably best to do them in a focused timeline with set goals in mind and key metrics to gauge what does improvement actually look like for our internal teams and our customers, right? And doing that a little bit here, a little bit there. We'll get to it next week. We'll get to it after the holidays, even though we started it in October, probably is going to end up creating more challenges than actually solving anything. So do things in a focused way and learn from my guy, Bill, here, because I think, uh, you know, what ABS is doing here is exciting and it's going to lead to happy customers and a, mm, you know, a, a clean and efficient operation that is going to continue to meet growing demand. And that's key. So, Bill, I think that does it. Any final thoughts you want to leave our audience with? Daniel, I really appreciate the time. You know, we uh, we look forward to 2023. Uh, I think it's going to be an amazing year for uh, 
for any manufacturer out there, you know, so, you know, keep, uh, keep looking at your processes and, uh, you know, focus on the things that need improvement and then, uh, you know, implement them. Just like you said, Daniel, I mean, you have to have a timeline. You can't just say, I wish I had a million dollars and not give some sort of goal how you're going to get there. So with that, you know, I appreciate everything. Uh, it's been a, a great format to, uh, to tell you some of the, uh, the innovations we've got coming up. So I uh, really appreciate the time. Absolutely, Bill. It was a real pleasure. Thank you again for your time on the podcast and looking forward to bringing you back on soon for some further updates on how this transformation is going of ABS's back office. Till then, folks, we've been chatting with Bill O'Donnell, Senior Director of Product Management and Customer Service Support at ABS. Bill, if folks want to get in touch and pick your brain a little bit more about this uh, or just learn more about uh, ABS and how y'all handle yourselves as a company, where can they learn more and how can they get in touch? Yeah, anybody can always email me. Uh, my email is b.odonnell at abs-go.com. Um, you know, also check out our website at emphenolbroadbandsolutions.com. Uh, um, you know, we've got training departments out there too, if anybody's interested in training. Uh, if you're interested in just hearing the story, but yeah, by all means, please feel free to, to shoot me an email and uh, I'd love to talk to you. Love it. Bill, thank you so much for your time and we'll chat again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Wavelengths, an Amphenol Broadband Solutions podcast. If you like what you heard and saw today and you want previous episodes, make sure that you're heading to our website, amphenolbroadband.com. Again, amphenolbroadband.com. And make sure that you're subscribing to Wavelengths on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Wavelengths. Wavelengths.